Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Man, I love that song. That wasn't bad for our first time either. Amen. I'm just seeing if you're awake. You're not. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Pray for my wife. She fell down our stairs and her ankle is huge. And uh, she's having a hard time walking. And we have to walk tonight for the graduation down the aisles and all that. And I was teasing her last night because Kelvin thumped his foot in the dark and he split his toe open. And then he hit it again a second time. How many of you know the toe that hurts is the one that you always bump, right? And so he did it a second time. So I said to my wife, I said, we'll just walk you down the aisle together as long as you're limping away from each other. That'll be quite a sight, won't it? So we're going to try to line that up tonight. But I hope you'll come tonight and support our school, support our graduates. It's always a great time. And uh, we're very proud of those who have worked so hard to graduate. And so we want to honor them. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We are right on time. And so don't worry about the time. And uh, we'll get you out of here and, and uh, make sure we're cleaned up for the next service. And uh, how many of you uh, that come regular to 8.30, boy, you really have a long afternoon now, don't you? And uh, you can squeeze a nap in before and after lunch now. But uh, it's, it's, uh, that's what people are saying to me. It's a, wow, it's a long day before we get to evening service. I say that to say this. You ought to be really rested up for the evening service. Amen? And uh, you say, well, you know, it's such a busy afternoon. Not anymore. You've got lots of time to get things done. And so I hope you'll come back for 6 o'clock. It's an important service, and we, we enjoy uh, kind of a family feel to the evening service, and we sometimes we just throw the order service out, and we sing, and we sing, and we sing, and we just enjoy each other's company, and we have a great time. So I hope that you'll come 6 o'clock tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, let, let me say this, you know, we... Uh, we have an online presence, as you know, and for 11 weeks, that's all we had. We were just preaching to an empty room and singing to an empty room. And uh, so some, some folks that are watching online, let me encourage you, if, if you are staying home for any reason other than COVID, please come back. We ought to be in church. Uh, the church, by definition, is an assembly. That's what church is. That's what the word means, an assembly. And so we want to assemble together, and we miss your fellowship. And so I completely understand. So I've got an underlying health reason. I can't be at church. I, I get that. We're fine with that. But if you are able to be here, sometimes we just got comfortable. And, you know, other churches in town, I'm hearing from other pastors and things, and they're saying, you know, our folks are just enjoying being on the couch for church. Oh, heavens. We need to be with God's people for church. That's what church is, is. And so let me encourage you to get back together. And uh, it discourages, it discourages. I, I've talked to a couple other pastors and they're discouraged because their people say, we're just happy being on our couch with our family in our pajamas having church. No, no, that, you might be able to have family altar together, but church is an assembly. So let me encourage you, if you're, if you're able to be in church, be in church, and it'll be a help and a blessing to you. And it encourages others to see you. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure how that works, but I know that, uh, that it encourages people when we see one another, all right? So let's do that. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me, let me update you also on Bill Felder. Came through his surgery very well, and I left a message with them and said, if you need help getting Bill in the house, give me a call. I'm just two minutes away. I'll run over and we'll get him in. And he texted me after. He says, hey, I got in no problem. Everything's good. They, they train you well at the hospital to go home. And he said, I'm doing very well. And uh, he's, in, he's in some soreness, absolutely, with a knee replacement. But he, he had a good surgery and he's doing well. Pray for Jane. Uh, I think she's exhausted taking care of everything. And so, you know, uh, she's cutting the grass and everything. And so she's being superwoman right now. So pray for Jane. And you know, sometimes you've had to help somebody else. The caregiver gets run down sometimes quicker than the one that's recovering. And so let's pray for both the Felders. I know they would appreciate that so much. All right, let's preach this morning. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's look at verse 18. Verse 18. I'm, I'm just, the message this morning is just something that's on my heart. And uh, I'll be honest, sometimes, sometimes I study out a passage and I get excited about it and I put it together and it takes an hour to get it all out because sometimes we get a little too deep. And there's times where we ought to get deep. We ought to explore the scriptures. We ought to uh, have an exposition of the scriptures. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm against that at all. I think that's very, very important that we get deep into the word of God. But then there's other times where I think we just grab a principle and we drive it home. And I just want to take a principle this morning about the preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. There's quite a contrast there, isn't it? The preaching of the cross to them that are not saved, to the preaching of the cross to them that perish, is foolishness. Now, I want you just for a moment before we pray, I want you to think of any time you've shared the gospel with a loved one or you've given a gospel tract to a stranger and they kind of snark at it. They kind of look at you funny and they they laugh or they giggle. I've been at places where they, they, they won't receive the track. They'll, they'll close the door in your face or they'll hand it back and they, they get angry about it and they say, I don't want this foolishness. And, and think about this, that is a perishing person. That's what the Bible says. Those that count the preaching of the cross as foolishness, the Bible says they are perishing. They are dying. What a terrible thing. What a terrible thing. Several years ago, I was talking to a person who knew they were dying. And even though they were 91 years old, they were wondering, is there anything I can do to to get better? Is there some surgery? Is there some uh, medicine I need? Is there some therapy I can take? Is there something? We have a hunger for life, even though somebody, and, and I don't believe at all for a moment he was scared to die and step into the presence of the Lord, but God has put in our hearts a hunger for life. We hear of a lot of young people that will come down with cancer, they'll come with some dreaded disease, and we hear uh, them fighting for their lives, and they have a hunger for life and a thirst to live, and and they wonder, what is it we can do? And some go into depression and a mourning because they want to live so bad. But listen to me, friends, somebody can be dying spiritually 
and they mock the very word of God that can save them. They don't see it. What a tragedy. The contrast here is those that are perishing think the preaching of the cross is foolishness. But if you're saved today, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, to understand your word. Speak to our hearts with this little principle today. And Father, we just pray that the Spirit of God would fill me. I need your help. And Lord, it's a message that you've just laid upon my heart and mind. And I don't have a, a, a real idea of where it might go. I have some thoughts, but I want you to lead it and guide it. I'm trying to just give it all totally to you. And so I pray that you'd speak. And Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a Roman cross was a dreaded thing. I don't believe that anybody suffered on a cross like Jesus did. Understand me. They tell us that most crosses where criminals would die, they were tied to the cross, but we know Jesus was nailed. He was mocked and scorned and beaten and hung upon that cruel Roman cross. But a cross was not a new invention when Jesus came along. There had been thousands and thousands crucified before him. And I suppose many thousands more after him. I guess if we think about it in this sense, that was the point. To reduce the Lord Jesus Christ to the status of a common criminal. To number him among transgressors. To crucify him like you would any common thief. To hang him on a cross with two other men by his side. So that he would not stand out from among them, but he would die just like them. One criminal turned and he knew that Jesus was not just like them. He would say to the other, he says, we die justly for our sins, but this man has committed no sins. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The Bible says, as the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and understand Corinth was a carnal church. We read about some of their sin later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and it was, he says, Paul literally says, it's just not something that should even be named among Christians. It's, I can't believe I have to talk about this. They were a, a carnal church. They were struggling with how to deal with sin, how to put it out of their church, how to turn somebody over to Satan for the destruction of flesh. And Paul says you should have rather mourned. And so it kind of gives us a picture of what kind of church Corinth was. But he says, I want you to know whether you're a carnal church, a spiritual church, a church on fire for God, doesn't matter what kind of church you are, there's two kinds of people. There are those that are perishing for want of the cross, and there are those that understand the cross is the power of God because they're saved. Paul addresses them and he says this, first of all, the preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross. Why is it so important that we preach about a cross made of rough timber? Why is it so important that it has become the symbol of Christianity that we, we almost every church has some sort of cross at the front and we understand that it was a wicked, torturing tool? 
to bring a man to death. Not quickly, but cruelly and painfully. So why do we preach the cross? I would say, first of all, today, because it's the theme of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we read that the the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. Friends, that happened at Calvary. We read of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 as he took his son. The Bible says, uh, Abraham, and he said, yes, master. He says, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest. What a picture of Jesus Christ, the only son of God. The beloved Son of God, as he called him when he was baptized. Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for an offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his ass, and he clave the wood for the sacrifice. And they went to the land of Moriah, and the Bible says as he lifted that knife over his bound son upon that altar to shed his blood, God stopped his hand. God said, I will provide myself a ram. We see the double meaning there, don't we? God provided a little ram caught in a thicket. He provided that ram as a sacrifice unto himself. But we also understand God did provide himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Friends, that was fulfilled on the cross of Calvary. Later, Isaiah would talk of him, and he says, who hath believed our report? Who would believe this? And he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ as he would grow up as a tender root out of dry ground, and he would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. You say, when did that take place? It took place at the cross. That's why we preach the cross. John the Baptist would say, behold the Lamb of God. The take of the way, the sins of the world. You say, when did that take place? It happened at the cross. Peter would preach about him. Paul would preach about him. Paul would say, I keep myself under subjection lest I make the cross of Christ of none effect. Paul also said in Galatians chapter 6, I will glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. I have nothing to brag about. Why do we preach the cross? Because it is the theme of Scripture. Friends, you can't preach the Bible very long without finding the cross. You can't preach Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You can't preach any of the, uh, of the Pentateuch because in each and every one we see sacrifices that were shed blood unto God to pay the price of sin to cover only, but Jesus would come to cleanse. He would offer himself once and for all. It is the theme of scripture. I want to say also we preach the cross because it transcends time. Some might say, hey, we're 2,000 years removed from the cross. We need to hear about a Jesus Christ that can guide us today. We need to hear about the Holy Spirit that fills us today. We need to hear about a God and Father that loves us today. Friends, what we need to hear about a cross that cleanses us from our sins because there was bloodshed. We must never forget the cross. Every era of time needs to hear about Calvary. The preaching of the cross. But notice what he says also in this passage. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us 
which are saved is the power of God. I want to mention, secondly, the power of the cross. The power of the cross. The power of the cross is power to convict of sin. I can't imagine how anybody could stand before Calvary and not be aware of their sin. You know, the world would say today there's no such thing as sin. That's just a social construct. That's just some religious idea that is hoping to put guilt upon man to get them to follow after their church and to give money to their organization. Friend, when you stand before a holy God hanging upon a cross and understand why he is there paying the price for your sin, there's nothing more convicting than that. We just sang the ensemble, and I think that's why it was laid upon my heart. Behold our God. That last verse, who has felt the nails in his hands? Only Jesus. That song asks question after question, doesn't it? Who hath held the oceans in his hands? Listen, I hope you understand the answer to all those questions is Jesus. I understand they're kind of rhetorical, but the chorus is supposed to clue you in. Behold our God. That's who. Who has numbered every grain of sand? Behold our God. But who hath felt the nails upon his hand? Bearing all the sins of guilty man. How could we stand before the cross and not understand the weight of our sin? It has the power to convict of sin. Well, friends, here's the good news. It has the power to change sinners. It has the power to change your life. Because when we look at that cross, we understand that all the sin and all the filth and all the things that condemn me before are now nailed to the cross. And they're under the blood of Christ. And I am free from sin. And I'm free from guilt. And I'm free from condemnation. Because of the cross. That's the power of the cross. I want you to think also about this. What was the purpose of the cross? What was the purpose of the cross? Understand this, the Lord Jesus Christ was not strapped to a gurney with a dye injected into his system, a drug injected into his system that would cause him to fall asleep gently before they terminated his life. That's, that's not what the cross did. He was not shot by a firing squad which would end his life instantly. The cross was meant to torture. I would say the purpose of the cross was to help reveal the very gravity of our sin. Of how serious this was in the eyes of God. How distasteful it was to God that we had fallen away, that we did not continue to follow him any longer. It was the, 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 the purpose of the cross was to provide for our need. As we come there and we see all that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered, he did it for us. 
and it provided salvation for our needs. So it provided for our need and it perpetuated an offer of salvation. The word perpetuate means to continually offer over and over and over and over and over and over. There's not a sinner born on this earth that cannot come to the cross and accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Is it all oh, the cross? That's old-fashioned religion. Hey, in, 19, in 2020, I said 19. In tw- boy, we're really dating. In 2020, we still need the cross. We still need Jesus to cleanse us of our sins. That's the purpose of the cross. But would you turn to John chapter 16 for a moment? I want to share with you the passion of the cross. The passion of the cross. When we think of the word, the passion of the cross, it comes from the Passover word in the Greek, pascha. If you were to look up the word passion in English, we would understand it has a couple meanings. We think of passion as an expression of our love. Somebody might say, we love to sing. We have a passion for singing. But the word passion can mean a great suffering. And we see the passion of Christ in John chapter, I'm sorry, I said 16, John chapter 19, I'm sorry. John chapter 19, verse 16. Look what the Bible says. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away, and he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. They crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on his cross, and the written was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts. To every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled. Which saith, they parted my raiment among them. And for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother. Can you imagine? And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. From that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The passion of the cross, the suffering of our Savior. 
But I want you to think of one last thing this morning. We cannot separate the preaching of the cross, the power of the cross, the purpose of the cross, or the passion of the cross. But listen, don't miss this. The person of the cross. The preaching of the cross is not about wooden timbers at Golgotha's Hill. It is about Jesus Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified, Paul said. Yes, we preach the cross. We preach it as a symbol of the shed blood. We preach it as a symbol of his suffering. We preach it understanding it is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We understand that the cross represents so much, but don't ever miss the person of the cross. Jesus Christ was the word made flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came 100% man that he might feel every sting, every wound, every ounce of searing pain as he took our place upon that cross. If I can back up for one second, and I did this on purpose to revisit the purpose of the cross, the purpose of the cross It was intended for you. When Jesus hangs on that cross, he did it for you. He took your place. I just want to give you a reminder today why we preach the cross. Why we preach the cross. Because for the saved, it is the power of God. It has the power to Convict us of our sin, but it has the power to change your life. But you must surrender to him. You must come and let Jesus Christ change your life forever if you'll only trust him. You might be saved today and you might say, well, pastor, why do we preach the cross? Why do we hold on to that old relic? Oh, friends, it's not a relic. It is a symbol. It is a symbol of eternal life through Jesus Christ. It is a symbol of the finished work of the ministry of Christ as he paid the price for our sins. It is a relic of ages past. But if it were not for the spotless Lamb of God who died there, it would be relegated unto history. I would dare say this. Unless you were a university history major, you would not likely have ever heard of a cross. if it were not for that one man, Jesus Christ, who died upon one. Several years ago, my wife and I were somewhere, I can't remember where we were, hon. I know what it was. On our wedding anniversary one year, we went to medieval times. Have you ever been there? And you get to eat with your hands, and horses are out there running around. You can smell horses while you're eating your chicken. It's just, it's nasty, really. But it was a fun thing, you know, and they joust and they do all this. Well, while we're waiting to go in, there's a, there's a group ahead of us, and while we're waiting to go in, we walk through this little museum they got there, and they have torturers racks of all things. It's medieval times, right? I'd never heard of half of them. Never seen them before. 
the weapons they used in medieval times and the torturing racks they used in medieval times. And I thought, I've never heard of any of these. I'm thinking this morning I would have never heard of a cross. Except that Jesus died on one. But he did it because it belonged to me. That's why we preach the cross. Hey, let us never forget there was a cross with your name on it. And Jesus said, I'll take it. I'll take it. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the shed blood. Lord, may we never get tired of the message of the cross. Lord, for it is the power of God unto salvation. With that salvation comes a new life if we would just trust in Jesus Christ. Father, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, help them to understand one day they will pay the price for their own sins if they don't allow Jesus to pay the price for it now. It's already paid for. He doesn't have to be crucified again upon his back. He bore the sins of the whole world. But their sins can be put under the blood if they would just come and trust him today. They can be forgiven. All of our past, all of our guilt, all of our shame can be washed away by trusting in Jesus. So, Father, speak to our hearts, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And... Christian, I really honestly wanted to preach a message to you today. I just felt like I, everyone, so I, I need a reminder about the cross. I need to be reminded that it was meant for me. I need to be reminded what Christ accomplished there. May we give thanks and praise to him right now during this invitation time. Just take some time and worship the Lord. Pray right where you are or come to this altar if you like. Let's thank the Lord. But maybe there's one today say, Preacher, I, I never thought about that, that that cross was mine. That I had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And my sin demanded a penalty. The wages of sin is death. But Christ died the most cruel, wicked death ever known to man just so that I don't have to. But you have to trust him today. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can be saved today. We'd have somebody take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Is there one that, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't call you out. I promise you that. One say, Pastor, Would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm saved. 